Good morning, everyone. So the barbecue's next weekend. I'm <laughs> I came one weekend too early. <laughs> Missed out on that one. Uh, I'm here with my daughter, Ayla, and uh, my wife and my boys are at our home church at Redemption. But Nolwood is starting to feel a little bit like our second home, second church home. Probably been here over the last couple of years, almost a dozen times, I think, visiting. And uh, I was here speaking once, I think, last summer. Uh, we go back quite a ways with Pastor Nate. Uh, I went to college with him when he was serving in Burlington. I was in Hamilton, and so uh, we got together a lot there. And so our families became really close. And when they moved to London, and we were still in Hamilton, we came and visited and uh, were here. And so it really is feeling like a second home. So we're glad to be here. And uh, my friendship with Nate, but also with uh, Pastor Matt, uh, him and I have a, a brewing tennis rivalry and uh, he'll, he, he's going to need your support in that. <laughs> I'm always encouraged when I'm here. I really appreciate how you uh, put your Sundays together and the spirit of love and friendship that is in the room and uh, encouraged by that. So thanks for having us, uh, my daughter and I, and uh, trust that the Lord will speak to you this morning. You know, about this time last year, uh, in the height of the pandemic, social restrictions. I was out for a walk by myself, and I was telling the Lord in that walk, mistakenly, how small my, wor- my, my world had become. You know, saying to the Lord, oh, you know, who else to be concerned with? Who else to pray for than me and my family? And at just that moment, in that walk, I got a call from uh, an elder at the church I was attending, and he was inviting me to follow up with some men that I was in a Bible study with. And later that day, I got a couple of emails from some old friends who had wandered from the faith. And I was trying to kind of follow up with them a bit. And then later that day, even a friend from another province gave me a call and kind of opened up and said he, was, he, he thinks he was struggling with depression for the first time in his life. I remember ending that day going, how foolish I am to think that my world is so small. Uh, God has put plenty of people in my path for me to encourage and follow up with and pray for. And you know, it, it, it is too easy, I think, and especially over the last year that we've had, it's too easy these days to wallow in loneliness. Some of us have made a a good habit of that. (laughs) It's easy to begin thinking that I can be very content, just me, myself, and I, or me and my family, and our worlds get so small, it's so easy to live there. But the Bible gives us a very different vision for Christ followers. A very different kind of life is envisioned in Scripture for Christ followers. Instead of pursuing loneliness... Christians ought to pursue friendship, be others-centered. C.S. Lewis, uh, he said, friendship is unnecessary. Friendship is unnecessary. It's like philosophy. (laughs) It's like art. My apologies to the philosophers and artists. (laughs) Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. You don't need friendships to survive. You don't. 
but where would you be without them? Christians ought to pursue friendships. And today I want to share with you several words from God on friendship from the book of Proverbs. That's where we're going to be, looking at a few verses in Proverbs. The, the book of Proverbs is a collection. It's a collection of sayings that teach us, and I'm borrowing this phrase from someone else, but I really like it, a p- collection of sayings that teach us God's wisdom for complicated lives. Isn't that good? What's Proverbs? It's God's wisdom for complicated lives. Proverbs introduces us to how God built life to work so that as God's wisdom, as we read this book, as his wisdom enters the hearts of his people, it changes us and we find ourselves knowing what to do and what not to do, what will work in life and what won't work. And one of the major areas that Proverbs addresses is the area of friendship, of being a friend. And the several verses I want us to look at today are going to tell us that, you know, as diverse and unique as each friendship can be, there are certain qualities across the board that make for good friendships. There are themes of friendship that make for good friendship. And I've got four of them for us today, okay? Four marks of a good friend. The four marks of a good friend. And we're going to examine each one of them. And then I'm going to wrap it up by getting you to think about what friendship has to do with you and God. And I hope, I hope that as God's word finds a home in your heart, the Spirit will push you into friendships and that God would multiply friendships in this church. So why don't we just pause here and pray, ask for the Spirit's help, and then we'll open up our Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we trust that this is your word, and it is good, and it is vital, not only for our survival, but for the value of our survival. And so as we look at it and hear it, as I preach it, would you make our hearts receptive to it? We ask in the name of Jesus, let's say amen. 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 Okay, the first mark of friendship, there's four of them. The first mark is constancy, all right? And I'm going to be in uh, Proverbs 17, 17. I trust these will be on the board too, so uh, we don't have to keep flipping back and forth. But Proverbs 17, 17. And this says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. A good friend is reliable, is available, And not just when life is successful and happy, but when? At all times. Which means also when life is difficult and when life is tough. You know, social media has taught some of us to measure friendship by quantity. The Bible wants us to measure friendship by quality. By quality. Are you willing to be the kind of friend who hangs in there constantly, through thick and through thin. This idea of constancy is expanded later in Proverbs 18, verse 24. And that verse says, a man or a woman of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
A person of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the idea here is you may know a lot of people. You may have a lot of companions and still not get the help that you need when you need it. But if you have one friend, if you have one friend, you know you will be looked after. You'll know you'll be cared for. You have somebody who is going to stick with you. This is a a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isn't it true that some friends prove to be more reliable than even family? You know, you might have, uh, you know, a big need, something going on in your life, and you just expect your family to pitch in and help. And yet some friends, there are some friends who will do so even though they're not obligated, and you'll find they help even more. And that word sticks is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the same word that the Bible uses when it talks about husbands and wives, when it says they will cleave together. And so that word sticks is talking about loyalty, talking about faithfulness. There's this constant commitment to look out for your good. That's a, that's a mark of a good friend, constancy. A woman named Carolyn Weber, in her memoir about her conversion to Christ, she, she tells the story of being in labor uh, with her first child, and just because of the circumstances in her life, she had no one with her at the hospital. She was headed to the hospital, and she knew no one was going to be there. She'd recently started going to a church in town, maybe once, two Sundays, and she'd met a woman, you know, met her in the lobby, and she seemed nice, and so they exchanged phone numbers, and Carolyn didn't know who else to call, and so she calls this woman. She's only met her like once, and this woman answered the phone in her car, Carolyn told her what was going on, and this woman turned around and went straight to the hospital. And Carolyn Weber, in her memoir, she says, we all need a few U-turn friends. We all need a few U-turn friends like that. A U-turn friend stops what they're doing in the moment and immediately changes directions (laughs) and comes to help a friend in time of need. That's the mark of good friendship, isn't it? Constancy, being reliable, being available. Second mark. Second mark of good friendship is carefulness. You'll care about how your friend is doing. You'll be thoughtful. You'll be careful as you interact with them. Isn't it true that some friends don't know when a joke has gone too far? They're not careful. Uh, Proverbs 26 verses 18 to 19 says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. (laughs) I'm only joking. (laughs) When cruelty is being passed off as a joke, it's time to find a new friend. (laughs) Right? A mark of good friendship is carefulness, thoughtfulness. And friends are warned to be careful not only about their jokes, but about their timing as well. Uh, This is Proverbs 27, verse 14. Proverbs 27, 14, which says, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning will be counted as a cursing. Good morning! 
Oh. <laughs> I remember growing up, my uh, sister was famously not a morning person. Famously. And so when was the best time to poke her? <laughs> In the morning, before breakfast. But you know, as time went on, and my sister became more of a friend, I learned to be careful. And that meant I gave her lots of room in the morning, right? Wouldn't say nice things or bad things <laughs> in the morning. But carefulness, carefulness. We care about our timing. Good friends are careful. They're considerate. They're sensitive with their jokes, with their timing, and even with their very presence. When they're there and when they leave, they're careful about even those things. Uh, this is Proverbs 25, verse 17. Proverbs 25, verse 17 says, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, he said, Guests, guests like fish, stink after three days. <laughs> Good friends don't overstay their welcome. <laughs> they know you too well for that. They know when they should be there, and they also know when it's time to go because they care, and their love for you has made them careful. A friend isn't ignorant of your feelings. Constancy, carefulness, and the third mark of good friendship. Third mark is candor. Candor means truth-telling. If carefulness means shutting up at the right time, candor means speaking up at the right time. We need friends who are willing to say yes to us, but also no. Candor. Proverbs 27, verses 5 to 6, says it this way. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Let me just read that one again. Think about it. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy will go on flattering you. Yes, yes, great, good, well done, good, yes, all right. But real friends tell the truth, even when it hurts. What were you thinking? <laughs> You're not seriously going to keep doing that, are you? <laughs> well, tell the truth even when it hurts. A, a real friend will provoke you and challenge you. You won't agree with everything your friend says, but you'll want to listen. You'll want to listen. We all need that. You know, we've all grown up in, in, in families and in our own little cultures that have left every one of us a little bit weird. Right? Our own families. Me. Grew up in a family, and it's left me a little bit weird. <laughs> and we all have that. And we've got blind spots, all of us. And so we need an honest friend from outside our tightly knit family to round us out. George Herbert, he said, the best mirror is an old friend. You want to see yourself? Ask an old friend. The best mirror is an old friend. Real friends won't flatter you and kiss you if they know you're headed in the wrong direction. They'll tell you the hard news. They'll wound you even because they don't want to see you destroyed. 
They'll speak with candor. Four marks of good friendship. Constancy, carefulness, candor. And the last one here is counsel. Counsel. Good friendship thrives on counsel. This is Proverbs 27, verse 9. And this is oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So the idea is just as oil and perfume make the heart glad, it's the sweetness of a friend that comes from his earnest counsel. (laughs) Earnest counsel from a friend smells good, (laughs) makes the heart glad. And the word I want to dwell on here a little bit this morning is that word earnest. This is earnest counsel because there is a there is a kind of counsel that comes across as I told you so or I've got this figured out what's wrong with you. I mean there's counsel like that that we receive but the counsel from a good friend is advice from an open heart. It's motivated by love, by compassion for you, by understanding. It's earnest counsel. I remember back in my college days telling a a roommate that my girlfriend at the time and I were pushing the limits physically, wondering out loud to him in our dorm room if I had the the self-control to put on the brakes. And I knew from talking to this roommate earlier that he had slept with a girl in high school and it had filled him with regret, spiritually, relationally, physically. And with tears in his eyes, he told me his story again, and he said, Ian, don't do it. You're wondering to put the brakes on? Put the brakes on. It's not worth it. He said, I would do it differently if I could go back in time. I would. You've got to make the better choice. This roommate was being a friend to me. He's being a real friend to me. He was offering advice from an open heart with true concern and love. (laughs) So thankfully, he spoke up when he did. There was this old show on the CBC, some of you might remember it, called The Red Green Show. Remember that? I got a real kick out of that show. And there was this segment where the lodge president, he would share advice to all the men listening in the audience. And it's a little cliche now because of COVID, but he'd always end his advice by saying, remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. That's the kind of counsel a friend gives, though. I'm pulling for you. I'm with you. I I want you to know this because, because I'm for you. I've learned something, and I think it'll be valuable to you. That's earnest counsel, advice from the heart. Constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. Four marks of a good friend. But you know, reflecting on friendship in the book of Proverbs, it does two things to me. The first thing it does is it fills me with longing. I long for friendships like this. As I read these descriptions, I just, I long for friendships like this. You know, 
my wife and I, we lived in Hamilton for close to 20 years. And my wife and I lived in the same neighborhood there for about 14 of those years. We moved to London just in November. And people ask us, do you miss Hamilton? Do you miss the city of Hamilton? And our honest answer is, not really. (laughs) We don't really miss the city of Hamilton. We thought we would. But we don't miss the city of Hamilton so much. What we miss are the people. What we miss are the friends and the neighbors that we had, that were part of our lives, that we would interact with on a daily or weekly basis. You know, I can picture the Roys and the Robins and the Snyders and the Walmans and the Romeros, all these people that we just had as part of our lives and our friends. And now we're here, and of course, it's not all bad. We still can visit. We've made phone calls. We were on holiday just last week, and we actually met up with one of these families. So it's not a, a, total, a total loss, and we're making friends here. But isn't it true that our hearts can never have all the friendships that we long for? We can never have all the friendships that our hearts long for. The second thing that these verses on friendship do to me is is show me that I'm not the friend I ought to be. I read these descriptions and I want friendships like that, but I also realize I can't be that kind of friend all the time. It's hard to be available and considerate and honest and vulnerable. You know, I remember hearing someone once say, a friend always lets you in and never lets you down. I hear that and I go, impossible. Always? Never? Yikes. (laughs) So what are we to do? What are we to do with these marks of friendship? Where do you find the friendship you need? And where do you get the power to be that kind of friend? The best place to start is with the author of friendship. The author of friendship. Listen to this. Friendship exists because God befriended us and created us to befriend one another. Friendship exists because God befriended us and created us to befriend one another. Can I show you where that is in the Bible? Turn with me here to John chapter 15. Open up your Bible there. John chapter 15, starting in verse 13. Give you just a moment there to find it. John 15, starting in verse 13. Come with me for a moment to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is on the night before Jesus was crucified. We're in a garden surrounded by trees. The ground is grassy. It's getting close to night. Sky's darkening. It's just Jesus and a few of his friends. We get to listen in. In chapters 14 to 17, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death. It's just a few hours away. What do they need to know? And he's telling them what to expect but also he's telling them what his death is going to accomplish. They won't get it until the other side, but he's preparing them. What is his death going to accomplish? And in chapter 15, in verse 13 to 16, Jesus tells them his death, one of the things his death will do is bring friendship. It's gonna bring friendship with God 
and with one another. Let me read verses 13 to 15 to start for you here. Jesus says to them, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus reveals that the cross, his, his death and the events leading up to it is an act of friendship. There's a change going on from servants to friends. It's an act of friendship. God is befriending us to himself through Jesus at the cross. The God of Scripture who has always had friendship in the eternal trinity between Father, Son, and Spirit, has opened that friendship to all who come to him through Jesus. Do you long for the kind of friend presented in Proverbs? He has come to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you long for that kind of friend? Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. I mean, think about it, constancy, carefulness, candor, counsel. Jesus is the constant friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is totally committed to those who come to him. How committed? Well, even at your worst, while you were still a sinner, he laid down his life for you. Constancy. And Jesus is the careful friend who even now empathizes with your weaknesses. He was made a man just like you and I. And Jesus is the candid friend. He knows you. He's completely committed to you, and he isn't afraid to tell you the truth about yourself. He's the candid friend. And Jesus is the counseling friend whose advice is always heartfelt. Why? Because he loves you. He's concerned with the things that you're concerned about, your well-being. And in Jesus, we discover the friendship we long for. Do you see how wonderful that is? That because of the cross, you can be a friend of Jesus. You can become a a friend of God. The Bible says because of the cross, Jesus has made servants of God into more than servants. He has made them friends. I mean, think in your head here. Get the image of this powerful king this powerful king who reigns over everyone. He, he demands obedience, of course, from all his subjects. He demands obedience from all his subjects, but amongst his subjects, his slaves, his servants, are simply told what to do. But the king's friends, the king's friends are let in on his thinking. They enjoy his confidence. The king's friends learn to obey with a sense of of privilege because they know their master's heart. They know what he's doing. They, They know that he's going to look after them, that they're not going to be kept out. And that's the privilege of every believer in this life. The king has made you his friend. In Jesus, we discover the friendship we long for. And we also discover the power to be that kind of friend to others. 
In friendship with Jesus, we discover the power to be that kind of friend to others. Friendship exists because God befriended us and created us to befriend one another. Friendship with Jesus is creative. It's dynamic. (laughs) It moves you. It, It moves you and it empowers you to be a good friend, to become a better friend, and to call people into friendship and into friendship with Jesus. And I see that in the very next verse here in John 15. Look at verse 16. In verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So Jesus' little saying there tells us two things. First, friendship with Jesus is no accident. It's no accident. People aren't welcomed into God's family because they were born into it or they're wiser or better than others. It's because Jesus elected them for it. He chose and appointed them for salvation. But the second thing it tells us is that Jesus chooses his friends for a purpose. To do what? To go and bear fruit. What's the fruit there? It's the fruit of more friends. More friends of Jesus. I've chosen you and appointed you to go and bear the fruit of more friendships. Bring more into this friendship. So this is a purposeful friendship. This is a multiplying friendship. There's a Christian teacher named Ray Ortland, and he puts it this way. God says to us in Jesus, let's be friends, and let's go win more friends. Let's be friends, and let's go win more friends. And I wish you could meet my new friend, Noah. Uh, Noah's one of the first people I met at my new church at Redemption, and I actually watched him get baptized in one of my first Sundays there at the church, and he'd become a believer during the pandemic. And when I met up with him afterwards, he was full of enthusiasm. His new life in Christ had filled him with enthusiasm. For what? For people. For people. He'd taken it, up, uh, he'd taken it upon himself to drive downtown and bring sandwiches to people sitting on the streets. And if he could, he would share the message of Christ with them. And he had a complicated relationship with his brother and he reached out to his brother, made amends for some of the wrongs that he'd had and invited his brother to church. I I met his brother the next Sunday. He had a few people in his life who weren't connected to the church or even Christians and he invited them, would you want to get together with me and start to read through the book of Ephesians? Noah's new friendship with Jesus had filled him with enthusiasm for people, for friendship, The very love that joins believers to Jesus is the same love that compels us to be good friends to others and to bring them into that love, to be that Jesus kind of friend to other people. That's where we find the power. That's where we find the power. Friendship exists because God befriended us and created us to befriend one another. Constancy, carefulness, candor, counsel, 
in Jesus, we discover the friendship we long for and the power to be that kind of friend. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth to make us friends. Thank you for choosing and appointing people to have this great privilege, friendship with the king. Would you fill our hearts with your love that we may become better friends to others. Oh Jesus, may we look outward, see people in our very church, on our very own streets, and consider how we may befriend them. Help us in this, I pray. Amen.